Hey everybody, my name is Alec, you're listening to Lunchbox Radio, and before we get started today, so I want to make a special announcement. Um, I've been teasing this for a couple episodes, but the next Sunday episode will actually be significantly longer, which means that I'm going to make this episode a little bit shorter, even though it's a pretty deep topic we're about to dive in, it, dive in on, but the reason that it's the um, next episode is going, the next Sunday edition is going to be a little bit, um, it's going to be twice the length of a normal Sunday episode, which is usually 30 minutes or less. This is clocks in at right about an hour with everything. Um, is because the next Sunday edition is actually a interview with, um, Taylor, who is better known as Cosplay Fiend, kind of across the social media world, but mainly, um, on TikTok, where I bumped into him the first time, and if you've never seen his stuff on TikTok, I definitely recommend going to check it out. If you have seen his stuff on TikTok, this is a much longer form thing, because the best way I can describe it is it was like, I sensed another person like me out there in the universe, and I was like, I should reach out to him somehow and get, um, I just get him on the show to interview because it's rare that otaku specifically of our like age range of like the elder millennial age range are still so super into anime that we are wired the way that that Taylor and I are wired to have like a weirdly partially encyclopedic knowledge of a period of anime of the anime industry and of anime that got kind of like left behind in the transition to digital and streaming and we talk about that a lot in um, in that in the um, next Sunday edition. But um, today, what I want to talk about is something that I will admit I was planning on watching a movie. I was not planning on watching like eight ep- eight movies or however long the new Sailor Moon Netflix thing is, but. That got me thinking when I was um, actually literally just a couple minutes ago, starting to go through the first hour and 20 minute long episode of the new Sailor Moon thing, is that Sailor Moon is a really unique property. So without any more ado, let's get into it.
So I've heard a weird um heard a weird I heard a weird statistic I heard a weird statistic today. And um I don't know the way to make heads or tails of it because it did come from an oddly full of itself source and that is why I love Geek Nights. They can be a little um Ouroboracy on that show. They can be a little full of themselves, a little convinced that they are right. Um, but something that they said was that, like, younger anime fans, and this could totally be true, kind of just don't like Cowboy Bebop. Just, on, on, like, performatively hate Cowboy Bebop because it is... Like, it is so highly regarded, and people my age are constantly pushing it on people because we think it's a great show, and I think it's a great show. But what's super interesting about that, about about Cowboy Bebop when you hold it up to the kind of, like, contemporaries of its time, is that it's not... It's not the only show that people had fun watching of old anime, but it is, especially of 90s old anime from the 90s, it is, the thing that made it stand out was that it was so different. And when you're dealing with um, Sailor Moon, you're not, you're dealing with a thing, you're not dealing with something that was so different that didn't really inspire much other than, say, Space Dandy and um, Cowboy Bebop. Um, although Cowboy Bebop inspired a lot of things, but nothing that came quite to its level or came quite within its, like, immediate realm. But if Dragon Ball Z became one of the templates of shonen anime, um, of shonen action anime, if Dragon Ball is like Dragon Ball Z, One Piece, and Naruto kind of became templates of shonen anime, the big one of the big ones on the shoujo side was Sailor Moon, and somebody could probably speak to Sailor Moon way with way more depth and with way more um in way in a way more affecting manner is actually the co-host of um. The, the my um the host and my co-host on the Uncanny Curve podcast, which is the another podcast I do all about um all about X all about X Men and soon to be all about um a short run of Teen Titans that we're covering, but um Sailor Moon occupied the same kind of rarefied air that card capture that um that card capture sakura does in that it was a, a formative show for many women who are now for, for many millennial women who grew up watching cartoons alongside you know all us boys who were dipshits and shitheads and kind of, this is going to sound so fucking weird because I need to reference a porno to 
to explain this. There was a porno called Sailor Moon and the Seven Balls. Which, if you've if you've heard of it, you've like a whole bunch of bells rung in your head immediately, like, oh, I've heard of this, this is a nightmare thing, get me out of here. But if you haven't, basically, it's a the borderline professional hentai animation from I want to say the late the early two thousands, the mid nineties to the early two thousands. That basically was like, what if all the characters from Dragon Ball V, and what if all the characters from Sailor Moon just fucked? What if that was true? And the reason why I'm talking about this right now is not to demean Sailor Moon and not to, like, you know, be gross. Uh, the reason why I'm talking about this is because that's what... That kind of perfectly demonstrates the fact that Sailor Moon and Dragon Ball Z were next to each other on top of the mountain at one point. They were the big, and in many cases still are, the biggest properties of both of their perspective genres of the medium of anime. And what that means is just as many young boys were influenced by Dragon Ball Z there were young girls who were, who were influenced and introduced to anime, key point, by Sailor Moon. And so in a weird, um, in a weird, well, not in a weird way, but in a unique way, Sailor Moon, especially the 90, the 90s animation, became this kind of callback point for tons and tons of young female anime fans or young female otaku. Um, but the, and we all like, regardless of gender, most anime fans my age, I feel like get guess that many, if not most, anime fans, period, know the Sailor Moon theme song. I've made sure to use the original English dub of the Sailor Moon theme song in this, so you can have the same weird sing-along experience that we will all have. Like, we will just all have it. And I will tell you personally, as a grown man going through the world occasionally for, like, Sometimes a month at a time, I will just be like, fighting evil by moonlight, winning love by daylight, never running from a real fight. And just like, <laughs> there's like a, there's a layer of people who look at me like, yeah, he knows the Sailor Moon theme song, we all do. And there are a layer of people like, oh, he lost it again. Um, but, um, should give you an idea of why I didn't want to do a full comparison or like talk about this series without having seen talk about the um the new series without having seen um 
the whole without having seen the whole um the whole of the series because it's building on a lot. And the reason why they keep bringing back Sailor Moon is A, because nostalgia cash grabs are a big deal and you can make, you can, you can print a lot of money on the backs of like women in their thirties who have a lot of nostalgia and would say, Hey, I'll keep my Netflix subscription so I can watch the new Sailor Moon thing. And you would be surprised at how many women Millennial women would say that that you'd never expect. Because there there was a period of time before the anime bubble, and certainly before the anime bubble burst after that, but there was a period of time when anime was ubiquitous without anybody noticing. What I mean by that is I, as a young kid, saw a mountain's worth of Voltron episodes. I also saw a mountain's worth of um, of Gotchaman of Gotch, of the original Gotchaman. Just airing on Cartoon Network. And the at the time the especially things like Voltron and Gotcha Man, the animation differences between those two shows, between certain shows and certain shows, especially in the late 80s to mid-90s, were not so extreme because largely they were all being animated in some of the same places, um, that you didn't, if nobody told, didn't tell you you wouldn't know, like, oh, Gotcha Man is from Japan. Oh, Voltron is from Japan. Because at the same, at the same point, Batman the Animated Series is considered to be an American, an American classic, but much of it was animated in Japan. So you had a lot of, you had a lot of crossover work happening in the name of certain unique properties that kind of, because of the way the styles have developed, hasn't happened since. And so what would ultimately happen with any given anime fan, especially female anime fans, I want to be really clear about this, is that you would be watching all these cartoons and then you would encounter one that was like nothing you'd ever seen before. It was mind-melting. It was like, what? is this thing why like cartoons are allowed to be like this and in a very specific way this was really true for um female anime fans because you just because of the way that anime that um not even anime that American cartoons were pitched. They were pitched basically by men for young boys. And the, I mean, Hollywood still has a 
I'm sure because it's Hollywood, has a still has a show a chauvinism problem. And I'm sure that's getting better. It's it's always getting better. But the result is if you were a young girl, you could find Tom and Jerry hilarious. But Tom and Jerry but like Tom and Jerry were both a boy cat, boy mouse. And so the girl mouse or a girl cat, then they were like objects be ogled and not real characters. It, I find the best way to kind of think about that is the is the world's like the entertainment world's kind of incredulity at the success of at the massive success of Black Panther, where everybody was like, oh shit, these like this demographic not only exists but will go spend money on the movie. Um that was also a thing that happened as a result of um that movie Crazy Rich Agents. But the bottom line is that not a whole lot of animated content existed for young girls at a point. Now that has changed. Interestingly, that has changed with the introduction of creators like and Lauren, the co-host of the Uncanny Curve podcast, who is like a Sailor Moon diehard. Seriously, um, would probably would probably kill me for bringing her into this. But if you look at someone like Rebecca Sugar's work. She very clearly has connections to, like, shoujo anime of the early 80s, mid mid to early 90s, like Cardcaptor Sakura and Sailor Moon. And you can tell this in the way that the, um, that she treats, like, transformation scenes and development of female characters. And all this other stuff. It's done from a place that references those works. So, for example, if you've ever seen a girl glow pastel rainbow colors and burst out of her clothes only for new clothes to form on her body, that is a direct um, reference to Sailor Moon. That is cribbing immediately from Sailor Moon. Um... The like cutesy, the like schoolgirl, the schoolgirl uniform warrior. That's also Sailor Moon. I mean, they, for a lot of people listening to this, this will be really obvious to you. But the thing is, and the thing you have to get is, before Sailor Moon, that wasn't necessarily obvious. And the other thing about Sailor Moon, the reason, the reason actually why we got. Sailor Moon Crystal after we got um, so much Sailor Moon previously is with Sailor Moon Crystal if you don't if you're not aware Sailor Moon Crystal was a restarting of the Sailor Moon franchise that was supposed to be and the reason we got it was because um, Naoko Takeuchi the original um, the original author of Sailor Moon, who hilariously 
deeply hilariously, he's married to the author of Yu Yu Hakusho and Hunter x Hunter. Which if you um, want to know anything, you want to listen to um, podcasts on both of those, you can find them in the podcast feed before this one um, on whatever you can listen to me right now. I've done um, a Yu Yu Hakusho episode with um, Slate of the MAMCS podcast. And I did a um, Hunter x Hunter episode pretty recently, I think. Um, like, pretty pretty recently for the long history of this podcast. For the, like, how many years I've been doing it. But, anyway. The reason why that's interesting is because when you look at um, Naoko Takeuchi's major work, Princess Mono, um, bleh, Sailor Moon, you don't see much of Yusuke's, of Yusuke-san's work. When you look at, um, when you look at the flip side, when you look at, um, what's it called? Uh, Yu Hakusho especially, all the female characters in Yu Hakusho feel like Sailor Moon characters who left Sailor Moon because, left that show because they've just had enough of that shit. And like, especially Kuwabara's older sister, she's just done, she's just done with so much all at once, all the time. And it's a really interesting reflection of the kind of heroine in Sailor Moon. But the thing about Sailor Moon is that it Now, and the reason why lots of female anime fans really respond to it, even now, it's not just, it's not just like 30-year-olds like Lauren, like my friend Lauren, it's a lot of female anime fans of all ages really respond to Sailor Moon. It's because... The show from beginning to end is unapologetically about being a young woman and 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 growing into being an adult woman and navigating all that and you know having to trust yourself and exist and existing in the world as a woman. And from the minute go, it it portrays its characters as if they were real. One of the things that is a common refrain about shonen action anime is that it pumps up like young boys by being like, "Don't you want to be big and bad and strong like Goku?" But if you watch um, um, Dragon Ball The Abridged, then <laughs> Dragon Ball The Abridged is probably much more, it's probably much closer to the reality of the existence of Goku. Goku is a terrible father who dies and or goes away to train, therefore staying away from his su- from his two sons, um, one of which Chi Chi may have somehow sucked out of him. <laughs> Um, I'm talking about I'm talking about Goten, 
Um, and it, it makes him largely an absentee father. It makes him a character who just kind of blindly does whatever he wants because he loves to fight and damn everybody else around him. And if you, like, see Goku, and it, if you've ever watched any Dragon Ball, a certain, a, a preachable amount of Dragon Ball, you realize that Goku's father, that Go, Gohan's father is Goku, but Gohan, um, but Gohan's dad is, um, definitely, by all means, Piccolo. So what that ends up meaning is, like, the, the, and for, in Dragon Ball V, Piccolo is coded like a bad guy. He does bad guy shit. And that's because in the original Dragon Ball, Piccolo was the bad guy. Um, it's only in Dragon Ball V onward that he's a good guy, really. But in Sailor Moon, there's not, like, Usagi has worries and cares about, about things that, like, any normal teenage girl would have. She's a little whiny. She's a little lazy. She's a little, like, obsessed with beauty and cuteness and all this stuff. And that doesn't, in the end, make her any less of a character that you should want to care, that you should want to care about. And it, later on, they get into things like the Sailor Stars, who are clearly kind of like these trans icons of characters who transform from young boys into young girls. And I think that's the reason that has never really aired on American television because it, um, Just the first Sailor Moon, the first Sailor Moon, the, the first airing of Sailor Moon on, I think it was PBS of all things. I don't think it was Cartoon Network, um, although it might be in Cartoon Network, um, was edited a lot. They changed all kinds of things because this was aired this was like the precursor to the what would become the car captures saga and problem of car captures was so heavily edited because it was completely recut to appeal to to boys, not girls, and they fucked with it constantly until it got cancelled because of a insane letter writing campaign. Thank you, my good female Otaku who nailed that. But, like, in Sailor Moon, there were characters, I think, Sailor, um, Sailor Uranus and Sailor, um, Venus, I believe, were portrayed as cousins. They were lesbians. Um, there was a transgender character who they just totally wrote that out of her, out of her thing and, like, the... The scenes where it became clear, they just cut around. 
Um, there was also, I think that, I forget what they turned Usagi's name to. Oh, they turned Usagi to Serena. And they changed all these things, not just, but key point, not just to Americanize it, but to take the things that they didn't think young kids should see out of it. And ultimately, once um, once everything, once the like dust settled, Viz did recut it and did redub it so that all that stuff was put back in and all that stuff was dealt with. And also, they released the subtitles with a, for what I understand, fairly faithful subtitles. But even then, Naoko Takeuchi was not happy with the end product, famously. And so she, like, there was these things of Sailor Moon Crystal. And if you talk to diehard Sailor Moon fans, they kind of speak lovingly of Crystal, but, like, not... There are certainly people who defend it, but there aren't people who are, like, out there, like, staunch... Like, I can't understand why you don't like Crystal, you psycho. Because Crystal is a much more faithful telling of the Sailor Moon story, but it is also a much stiffer, less lively telling. A, because it's largely CGI. Um, B, because it just doesn't... It just doesn't have... It doesn't flow as well or feel as good as the original 90s, you know, um, I think it's Deke Dub is the name of the company that dubbed it. Um, The original Deke Dub, which is like Serena and, you know, cousins shit aside, is a fun, fun dub. And it is the thing that gave us the fighting evil by moonlight Sailor Moon um, English scene that like haunts all of our souls and I really didn't I when I heard that they had a movie coming out on Netflix I was like yeah I didn't realize that it wasn't really a movie it was like four movies in the form of a new series and it and it and that series kind of continued on the story from some point in Sailor Moon. I think the end of Sailor Moon. And so I started watching the first episode, and I said, like, I do want to talk about this, but I don't want to talk about this when I've rushed through it, especially since it's going to be four plus hours, and I don't have time for that tonight. But I was struck at how still Sailor Moon it was and how still, and I know a lot of this is um, Takeuchi-san's kind of like vice iron grip of control that she has over everything Sailor Moon. Like she had the final say and stuff, um, probably because she was, um, I'm going to say probably felt done a little dirty by the 90s thing. 
And she, like um, Rumiko Takahashi, has done a good job of like keep, re- maintain, retaining her own rights. Um, which which can like, it. I mean, we just we just we've now seen the like results of it ending with Macross in that you know the original creator of Macross did not largely did not have control over where Macross got seen and where it didn't for decades. So that can happen to creators as they can kind of like lose the threat on the rights to their own creation and not get it back for a while. And that means that it gets treated way differently. Whereas um, Naoko Takeuchi has retained the rights from what I understand most of, if not the entire time since she made this thing, since she made Sailor Moon. And she, ever since the Deke dub, has kind of tightened her control over what's done with it. Because the Deke dub is an example of how that can go bad in her mind. Not necessarily in everybody else who's seen it in mind. I mean, I have a special place in my heart for that thing. Tuxedo mask showing up doing Fuck, doing fuck all on everything. Um, and it's... I just thought it was important to talk about Sailor Moon since I don't think I have talked about Sailor Moon here yet um, as, as like a thing, not even as its story. As its story, it's pretty Monster of the Week until it's not Monster of the Week and they bring in like the, the Moon Kingdom and all the other parts of Sailor Moon, but as a as a reflection and answer to the like shonen action genre of the time, which was Dragon Ball Z, it's so clearly the other side of the coin, and so clearly encourages encourage young women. And the way that they could be badasses and they could be themselves and be awesome in the way that Dragon Ball Z was doing for young boys. That it's amazing. And I have a lot of respect and a lot of disappointment in the fact that, like, Naoko Takeuchi tried to... um, have a conversation about things that young women could encounter that would be weird. And not even just young women, but like young people in general could encounter that would be weird. And she tried to treat them with grace and with like a kind of unacknowledgement that feels like what like where we should have been a long time ago. So for example, um the two characters who were a lesbian couple. From what I understand, like it was implied with body language of the two characters 
but it's not really remarked upon. Which, if, which if focusing in on like a girl girl kiss is like the first step to acceptance of like oh that exists, then the then the place where you really want to be is where, you know, lots of black people talk about black characters as uh, this character who happens to be black, not who is defined by their blackness. And that's, that's really important. That's an important part of um, acceptance and acknowledgement is that you are so normal that those things are so normal they don't even need to be remarked upon. One of the things that always, at some point, freaks my friends out is that they inevitably, every time, inevitably, without fail, forget that I am disabled. And this usually is like, I'm holding something and they look at me like, can you hold? No, I've done it. I'm like, no, it's fine. That means that, like, we're in a good place. That means the world is spinning right. Because if you are, so this is um, a thing I've heard about Germany. If you are Jewish in Germany, yeah, it's like the entire country <laughs> treats you differently because you are a sect of people that like that country has fucked over hard and you're treated in part of ed part of like primary education in Germany is we fucked up we were the Nazis Nazis bad we, we're the bad like we have to be careful or we'll be the bad guys again And lot, but lots of people, lots of Jewish people, or, or simply non-practicing Jewish people with Jewish last names, get really freaked out by that, because it's this kind of, it's this acknowledgement of a thing that yes is true, yes is terrible, and yes is bad, but also they're like trying to buy, like go out to dinner, and there's this. And I think that Salem, by by creating a answer to the big overblown shonen battle, you know, kind of universe that is the same thing, it lets girls have it lets young women and girls have an experience that's not that is for them. And not for the boys in, not for a young boy, not for boys or young men in a way that feels normal, that feels like it doesn't need to be remarked upon because boys have it too. You know, do, do you want to complain about, you know, Sally watching Sailor Moon? Go home and watch fucking Dragon Ball D, you loser. It's right there. You have all these things. It's okay that they have them too. And it 
that in addition to being a much more progressive, wanting to have much more, many more conversations about many more, many different kinds of things in that show than ever happened to Dragon Ball Z. Dragon Ball Z is big, dumb muscle men throwing balls of light at each other until one of them explodes real nice. Every part of Sailor Moon from the first episode to the last episode, especially all of like Queen Barrels, like minions and evil people, all deal with some like primary part of being a young girl. So as like there was an episode of Sailor Moon where there's a gym involved, like, and the, the gym is doing something fucked up and evil. There's an episode of Sailor Moon where all the women in town are, like, possessed by jewelry. And it's having a conversation about being a young girl and about womanhood constantly that made and makes a lot of young girls and women feel very seen in a way that doesn't really need to happen for young boys because young boys are seen and acknowledged for like their achievements and for just being themselves constantly. Whereas like this is probably still true, and it sucks that it's still true. But, like, a girl doesn't want to wear makeup and wants to hang out in, like, sweatpants and a t-shirt that hasn't been washed in nine days. Like, that, people uh, will be like, ugh. Whereas, oftentimes, for lots of men, or for lots of young boys, they're like, oh, that's it, boys being boys, just. That's just a guy saying, don't worry about it. Guys smell, always smell gross. And it's dismissed. And it... It's... Great to see... A character like Usagi, who is flawed and is... A, feels like a full person. Because... That stuff, especially at that time, was missing from especially American cartoons. And in the exact same way that so many people, that so many black people, including me to a certain extent, extent, felt very seen by the like Afrofuturism of black, of the Black Panther movie. Lots of young women felt very seen by this teenage girl who was, like, sometimes a brat, sometimes not. She was what um, what they would call in the good place a medium human. Like, she was just, just a person with all the bumps and, all the bumps and lumps that comes with who got to be a superhero and who got to be the 
the person who saves the world, who saves the universe and the world. So I just, I found it really interesting because even somebody who hasn't revisited Sailor Moon in a while, starting to watch the new Sailor Moon um, series, um, what's it, what's it called? I've got it right here in front of me. Um, the new Sailor Moon, um, the the new Sailor Moon Eternal. Um, bumps you immediately back into that. Like they they, other than the very flat animation style that they chose for it, it's um, it feels a lot like the old Sailor Moon. It feels very familiar, pretty immediately. And yes, they're very aware that like you don't want you to have to watch all forty six episodes of the original of the original show or the entirety of like stuff you can't get very easily in terms of Sailor Moon, like Sailor Moon R, Sailor Moon Super S, um, Sailor Stars, um, Sailor Moon Crystal. <laughs> um, <laughs> so they have like a lot of expedition-y things, like I want. Like, they have Ami being like, I want to be a doctor, uh, and all this other stuff. But they, um, but all those characters feel right, and they feel, they feel like they're getting it right straight off the bat. So I look forward to um, being able to check it out and all that fun jazz. So on that note, I've actually carried this to 45 minutes, so you're getting two hours from me this week, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I have been Alex. You've been listening to Lunchbox Radio. If you like this podcast, you should subscribe and listen to the Sunday episode coming up because it is, if you, um, if you skipped around in this, it is a interview with Taylor, who is also known as Cosplay Fiend on TikTok, and he does, um, his main video series is actual anime people don't talk about anymore and the way he described it was he wanted to focus on anime that was big that had like a big following that just vanished basically like he he, well I'll let him tell you in the interview but that's basically the premise of like the big thing he does on TikTok. So um, definitely look out for that coming up this Sunday. And until um, that, and until after then, I've been Alex. You've been listening to Lunchbox Radio. And I'll talk to you. Later. <laughs>